I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Today, we're going to explore what's happening in the entertainment industry. And I love this show because we get to talk to so many different people from around the world. But especially when we talk to people from the creative arts and entertainment industry or popular culture, film, television, music, whatever, I just love to hear what God's doing. I love to hear their story and how their story brings just proof that the gospel works everywhere. And so today, we're going to be talking to people like Jessica Yellow and Cami Brickell and Paul Young. These are all clips from a new TV show that I have called Exploring the Industry. If you've liked Exploring the Prophetic, you're going to love Exploring the Industry because I'm taking people from entertainment industries and popular culture and telling their stories on CBN Channel, which is the host of 700 Club, as well as a number of other wonderful shows. And we're placing a show on there, which is so exciting. It's a video-based show. We actually have a TV show. And it's 30 minutes every Saturday and Sunday. So you could watch it. A new episode appears every Sunday. It started December 1st, 2019, so you could watch it now. And we're just having this conversation. You could also watch an extended version on YouTube and with some special clips and extras on our Bowles Ministries YouTube. So check that out as well as our Your Prophetic Journey with Sean Bowles, which is our weekly episodic YouTube show on there as well. You're going to love that. Well, before we get to the show today, we have a few messages from our sponsors. One of my favorite questions I get as someone who people tend to see as a prophetic person or a ministry leader is, will you mentor me? And I love this question and I haven't been able to do much with it for all these years because I've been teaching, writing books, these kinds of things, but the one-on-one is the hardest part. There's just not enough time, especially for the thousands of requests we've gotten. Well, we came up with a solution called the Transiting God Mentoring Platform. And this is a platform where there's five videos a week along with an online coach who's going to answer your questions and you will have question and answer videos, teaching videos, mentoring other people videos where we're doing mentoring conversations. There's videos from other prophetic ministers and some you'll know really, really well who are sharing prophetic testimonies and stories of what works for them. You don't want to miss being a part of this community that's growing online because just subscribing monthly, you're going to get all these videos every week into your mailbox. And I know it's going to change your life as you have someone to process your prophetic journey with you and have these mentoring conversations with. Come join us at bowlsministries.com and click on mentoring. You're going to love it. And we're back. I'm so excited to talk to you about some of the actors, entertainers, and musicians that we have on the show today. I love when people take their journey of faith very seriously and that as they hear from God and as they process deeply with God, how the world changes through them. But first, they have to go on their own identity journey, their own change journey. I saw the very first show with her. She was one of the very first people I connected to in Hollywood, her and her husband, David, who many of you would know from The Last King of Scotland and The Help and Red Tails and so many, you know, he played in Selma and Martin Luther King has been in so many things since then. She has also been an actress and been in so many things, so recognizable, but had to lay down her career and even come in second or sit in the back seat for her husband's career to take off because they had their children in the midst of a career that was taking off but still needed support. So Jessica went into a support role for her family and for her husband as she had her own dreams for the entertainment industry in Hollywood. And she talked 
very candidly about how you can get resentful and even angry at God or at life when you're not doing what you feel you're supposed to be doing. And I love her journey of identity because she quantifies what so many of us have gone through in many genres so well and how God took her on a journey to really surrender this and ultimately kill this place inside of her that was at war with her current life and even what God was calling her to at the moment. So so here we go. Here's a clip from Exploring the Industry with Jessica Yellowo. Actress Jessica Yellow is known for her roles in Churchill, Alice in Wonderland, and Sleepy Hollow. She is even more known by the countercultural lifestyle that her and her A-list husband, the actor David Oyelowo, live. I'm going to ask Jessica about their faith journey when they left a comfortable life in the UK behind and moved to Los Angeles to pursue film and television full-time. We're going to discover together what it looks like to be a famous family in Hollywood. And because Jessica lives a life of vulnerability, I'm going to investigate her personal struggle of significance when she had to lay down her own career and agenda while her husband's career soared. Now, though, she's living out an explosion of God activity as she and her husband are producing dozens of film and TV projects. Join me today on Exploring the Industry. Welcome to Exploring the Industry. I'm so excited to have Jessica Oyelowo today. Hi. We were talking about how we met in 2007, we think. We think. (laughs) My first memory of meeting you is after I moved to the States and we came to your house to have a prayer meeting. Yeah. And you guys came here and you started um, connecting behind the scenes to a lot of really amazing people as well mm-hmm. who are Christians in the industry. And you had a heart to see what God could do here, not just pursue your careers. Absolutely. That's that's is, all we came to see is what God can do. I, I uh, look through the Bible and I look at who had which career and I'm like, nobody really had careers in the Bible. Nobody like pursued uh, a particular dream. They pursued God. Yeah. And then God did whatever he needed to do to make his purposes happen in their lives, which end up often being careers or callings or destinies, whatever you want to call them. But no, we did not come here to pursue careers um, in that sense of it. We knew we were coming here to be part of the entertainment industry, but we knew we had to let God do whatever he wanted to do within the entertainment industry and use us as he chooses. Yeah, it was super risky because you brought your family over. Yeah. And you weren't coming (laughs) to a job. You just came because God showed you to come. Yes, and at the time, I remember David was saying, they keep asking me to play like gangsters. That's all that's here for African origins is like people who are the next bad guy in the movie. There was like nothing in England at the time. And he knew that part of coming out here was like a different type of role that he would play. But you also have been an actor since you were a child, like so young. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was an interesting transition. Um, we were working at quite a high level in the UK having both been called into the industry in the first place. My husband was going to be a lawyer Oh wow! and I was going to study politics, philosophy, and economics Oh my gosh! and not have anything to do with it because it's the entertainment industry. It's evil, right? We're not allowed to be part of this. We're Christians. I was raised in a home where, um, we really, really loved the Lord. And my parents really taught me the word morning and evening, whole family sitting down, reading the Bible together. Wow. Every day. Wow. And I'm so, so grateful for that. My grandmother, grandfather, my great-grandmother, all missionaries in China, my parents as well. And um, the idea of me becoming an actress Mm -hmm. was so heinous 
to my grandmother particularly. <laughs> no, I get it. My mom, when we told my mom we were coming out here, my mom, it was like 15 years ago. No, it was 25 years ago. My mom started crying and said, why would you ruin your destiny or your life? But I think now that we're out here, I know you've run into the same thing where there's like, we've run over 150 kids who are pastor's kids and apostles' kids, missionaries' kids, whatever. They're from all, all They're all here. And it's interesting because they have like the same kind of calling their parents had to go into ministry. Yes. And it's again, that's the thing you're talking about where yes. here you are, a second or third generation person. Missionary. And, yeah, missionary. And I remember we talked about that when you first came out as like, you're a missionary here. Yeah. Totally. And how are you going to reach the people you're called to spread the gospel to if you're not going to get to know them and be part of yeah. their world? Like if you're going to go to Papua New Guinea and live with a, live with the Stone Age tribe, yeah, you have to live with the Stone Age tribe and understand them and understand their ways and what's happening in their lives so that you can be effective in your communication yeah. with them of the gospel. I don't agree with everything that's going to be happening in that New Guinean Absolutely. tribe. I'm not going to partake in everything that they're going to be doing in their daily life. And I'm not going to partake in everything that's happening in Hollywood. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Just to make that clear. Exactly. But, <laughs> but the same rules apply. Yeah. Especially Christians have been told over and over and over that the city's evil. Yes. And the industry is evil. So it's hard for them to disconnect that. So I think you guys are really pioneering for probably not just your families, but other people, because we want a generation from now to go, yes, we're empowered to go. Right. But you guys kind of had a price to pay. Yes. You had the resistance from family. They didn't fully understand. You and David were in England. You felt to come over here. What makes you make that big of a jump? Is it just raw obedience or was there anything that was leading you? We had um, this American manager came over to see his friend in the UK and say, who have you got on your client list that you think would work in the States? And he introduced him to David, my husband. David spent the whole meeting talking about me because I'm awesome. <laughs> and so he wanted to meet me too. We were yeah. both actors, both working at a really high level in the UK, doing film and plays yeah. and theater and TV and radio. I don't get to do that very much here. <laughs> radio plays still, still happen <laughs> in the amazing. UK. <laughs> um, so he met us and he just said, think about it. And we were like, mm, we'll pray about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Cause I was in no hurry to move. We just had our first child, very connected, loved our lives, loved, uh, where we lived. There was nothing that was unhappy about wow. our lives. It was an amazing life <laughs> that we had. We were just like, yay, this is awesome. I, I like there's saying because a lot of people who do move here move because they're hoping it'll get better. Yeah. And no. you guys moved here because God called you. We prayed and the Lord, yeah. and David said, I really think we should give this a try. And I was like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> this is too lovely. Our yeah. lives are good and it's yeah. going to be hard out there. England has a small industry. We knew everyone. We knew all the casting directors. Yeah. We were friends with everybody at that point. It was a a hard decision to make, but, um, we prayed and the Lord spoke to us and he started showing us scriptures. My heart is beating fast. Exodus 23, 20, where he talks, uh, the Lord is saying, I'll send my angel before you to lead you in the way you should go yeah. to get from Egypt to the promised land. There's the wilderness years of just having God here, like meeting Jesus face to face yeah. and living in, following the cloud, following the fire, stopping when he says stop, going when he says go, relying on his provision, having nothing for tomorrow. So we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. We 
come out here for a summer, like two, three months, and we feel really strongly that we need to start the green card process. We start the green card process, sold everything in the UK, moved everything over here, and decided that this is if this is where the Lord has called us to, this is our home, and we're in, all the way in. Yeah. So we arrived to an economic crash and the writers... I remember the writer's strike. The writer's strike. No work, no yeah. money, no prospects, another baby on the way. Um, and so the faith journey really began. But you know what? I don't see too many people in scripture that manage to fulfill their destiny staying at home. <laughs> it's true. They are all called out away from where they've come from to somewhere completely different. Because we have to live a life where we are completely reliant on the Lord. Staying in England would have been a really lovely life for me. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been God's highest and best for me. It would have been great and he would have been happy. But if I'm truly going to trust and obey him in in every possible way, which I firmly believe is the best way to live the Christian Absolutely. life, is to just obey him no matter what. Because he, if he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Then um, I want to be part of that and I want to go through what needs to be gone through. <sighs> <laughs> You're like, I'm willing to surrender, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's the thing that I feel you guys have always carried this. You've carried a level of just, I would call it spiritual wisdom. I've just human wisdom with spiritual understanding of how I live life. There's just nothing you know? better than, than walking through this life with God and becoming one with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mind blowing. It's absolutely mm-hmm. mind blowing. So David, his career, because you guys both, in some ways, I've I've heard from your mutual friends that, especially in England, you guys were at the same kind of place. We were, and then you've allowed the career side to run ahead because you're so about family. Totally but what so is about that family. Like as but far I've, as because you still have this other calling that's part of the whole root system of it, and yes. you have got to pop in a few times. But there's this whole part of you that you've allowed to be on hold because this is what takes priority. I felt like the Lord is saying, just stop. You just be with your family right now. You support David pursuing this call on his life. So we moved in May 8th, 2007. And on July 24th, the Lord spoke to David when he read the script, Salma, when it first came across our path. You're going to play Martin Luther King in this movie, Selma. And he was like, I just got here. No one has a clue who I am. I'm not American. I'm a Nigerian British guy. Who's going to hire me to play this role? But okay, I'm going to write this down and I'm going to pray and I'm going to see what you're going to do. That journey was one where the Lord took him to school and trained him to be ready to play Martin Luther King by giving Mm. him all these little jobs in The Help, in Red Tails, in uh, the Butler, in Lincoln, which they were all very African American. African American. Because remember, he told history. me in the beginning, it's like if I was ever asked to play an African American role, I don't know that I can even relate completely because no. I wasn't here. I didn't grow up here. No, and it's entirely different to grow up in England and Nigeria, which yeah. he did, where you're the majority, where he's from a royal family. He has a completely different outlook on life compared to people who have forced their ancestors forcibly brought over to this country and enslaved for generations and generations it does something to your psyche and your dna that is entirely unimaginable for anyone that hasn't been through that yeah it doesn't matter what color your skin is yeah david does not have that as part of his ancestry 
he doesn't have that pain. So for him to embody someone who was helping others overcome that was such a, a, an honor and a big deal for him. And he was fully mm. aware. So all those movies that led up to that role, they were the training ground. That was training ground. But, wow. you know, you're not getting paid much for being in the help when you've got a few scenes. And But he was cast in the help because they said, oh, you're the guy that's going to play Martin Luther King. We want you to play a preacher. Can you write your own sermon? And we'll put it oh, in the movie. Wow. <laughs> so wow. if you watch The Help and you see David in that, he has this little scene where he's he's literally preaching the gospel. Yeah. He's pre and he wrote, he got to write the scene. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> but wow. throughout that time, we uh, had to take our kids out of school. We had another child. So we've got four kids running around the country in these tiny independent movies or slightly bigger so you movies. Were taking them with taking with and I was homeschooling them. Wow. It felt like an enormous sacrifice on my part, which isn't a good thing to be thinking. Yeah. Like, I'm laying down my life and my calling for you so you can fulfill yours is a terrible way to think. Yeah. It's deadly. It's actually deadly. And there were times where I was bitter and upset about the whole thing because I moved to America not wanting to, following the call of the Lord. And then I'd be praying, going, Why am I here? Yeah. Why am I here? I Doing could have looked after my kids. Yeah, I could be looking after it. my kids in England. If I, they could be in school. I could be hanging out with my mom. She could be yeah. helping with the kids. They can have relationships so with real. their cousins. Yeah. And I'm running around the country living in Louisiana, in Alabama, in Georgia, in Mississippi, in all over the place, yeah. all over the country where I don't know anyone, uh, raising my kids... In as, in as godly way as I possibly can, but knowing that I was harboring resentment and bitterness, that was not a healthy time. Wow. It was difficult, but the Lord would keep taking me back to Exodus. Be like, you're in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. I need you here. You're in the prison, as it were. Not yeah. that my kids are a prison. My kids are amazing. No, but I think everybody understands the context of it. Yeah. It's the Joseph... I have a call on my life. Okay, go be sold into slavery and then into prison and then you can fulfill the call. Yeah. It's the, you need to stop now. You need to rest. Even though you feel like you're in prison, I need to teach you things that you can't wow. learn if you're out there in the world, as it were, doing your thing, fulfilling, fulfilling your destiny. It's not my destiny. It's mm -hmm. his kingdom and it's his destiny. And that, is what happened in that period of time where the shift came from you called me to do this and I want to do this and I need to be doing this for you to yeah. whatever you want is what I'm going to do. And if it's to stay here and to have 20 more babies, that's what I'm going to do. And 20. <laughs> that's that's actually not humanly possible <laughs> at this point, but... I realized I was holding resentments that needed to be put to death. Yeah. Scripture's very clear about what we do with our flesh. Mm -hmm. It isn't to kind of try and gently rest it into a sleep so that it doesn't bother us anymore. It's like get out the knife, stab Kill it in the heart, yeah. bury it and walk away. Like it's violent talk because our carnal nature is a violent thing oh yeah it's it keeps at, you in such a prison it's an it's, yeah. it's at enmity with god so i if i'm 
if I'm going to be friends with my flesh, I'm an enemy of God. Yeah. I have to choose to kill the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this moment where I was like, I'm going for prayer. I'm going for inner, like an intense inner healing thing. And I'm going to repent. I love that. I'm just going to repent. I'm going to repent of everything. And I'm going to understand that it doesn't matter what is inside me, that even if God has put it there, it belongs to him. Our lives are not our own. I don't yeah. get to choose. But that surrender is, I think, one of the hardest things for people who do family in the industry because yeah. you have like, like you have some family members who will sacrifice their children at the altar of their career, destiny, whatever they want to call it. And that's what we've dealt with. And one of the reasons why it's so broken because then those people end up in the industry too, even though they don't want to be the way they are. And they end up creating things out of that place of brokenness. And we've had that perpetual cycle now for generations there's something about a lot of people who may not see the side of it because like you're, they're just watching their yellow family it's blowing up all oh, the opportunities they'll see you pop into acting every once in a while david's in all these major movies and they don't realize the price you're paying that there's a, multiple prices there's multiple levels of what you're doing this for jesus because you are missionaries like yes. you're saying and that's i think it's a huge picture people don't know yeah for sure so thank you you're welcome yeah i love stories like that we are back and one of my favorite other stories that happened on our new show, Exploring the Industry, which is on the CBN Network, is a story from the great Pat Boone, who I love so much. He's such a legend. And I loved some of the stories he told us. And one of the stories in particular, he talked about how him and his wife, Shirley, had gone up to see Rock Hudson on his deathbed. Now, some of you are millennials or below, so you wouldn't know who Rock Hudson is. He was picture the Brad Pitt of his generation. And he got a very, very public displayed case of AIDS because it was when the AIDS epidemic was an all-time high and he came out of the closet as a homosexual and in the end of his life had gotten saved. And Pat and Shirley were brave and asked if they can go over to his house and pray with him, especially for his healing as he was on his deathbed. And so I love that Pat was bold enough as an A-list actor, musician, and author that he actually went to another A-lister and that's how it works. You have to be in the industry you're going to reach. He went to another A-lister in his moment of greatest need to go and encourage him. And I love Pat's language for this. So take a listen to the clip. Pat Boone has had one of the longest running entertainment careers in history. He has been at the top of the charts in music, acting, and authoring. He also has been a featured voice in Christianity around the world. Today, we're going to look for a glimpse of the spiritual journey of how his deep faith impacted his career, his family, and ultimately the world. I'm going to ask Pat to share never-before-told stories of his divine appointments with A-list entertainers. I also want to catch up to how he is doing after the recent death of his beloved wife, Shirley Boone. Pat isn't just a cultural icon. He is a spiritual forerunner and a father to Christians in the entertainment industry everywhere today. Join me, Sean Bowles, on Exploring the Industry. Welcome to today's Exploring the Industry, and I'm so excited about today because we have like a grandfather in the spirit over the entertainment industry, Pat Boone. I think <laughs> Hollywood and music and kingdom royalty <laughs> in a real way. I just want to honor you. I know it sounds weird for us to say that, but it's just so true. You've, you've been in this for so long. Man, I better charge for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start doing all your intros, you know. <laughs> if I'm that important. No, I... Well, no, you, you've stood on some ground that not many people have stood on. And there's just now people who... We've been last in line to a lot of these industries you've been in. And there's just now people who are coming into it as reinforcements to what you've built through these you know, 50 plus years. I will say 
that, yeah, I, my career is miraculous. Yes. No question, because I didn't, I didn't bring that much to it as far as I can tell. I mean, I, I, I sing, but a lot of people sing. I sing well, a lot of people sing well. Um, I didn't know anybody in particular in the early days. I, I, I was not even planning to be a pop singer. I oh, wanted wow. to be. I dreamed of it. But yeah. I was out. I remember many, several years, milking the family cow. And, you know, it doesn't take much brain power. So I'm just <laughs> just milking the family cow, Rosemary. And um, thinking how great it would be if I was a pop singer like those that I idolized at the time. Perry Como, Eddie Fisher, Nat King Cole. Uh, Bing Crosby, of course, my real, if I had an idol. Um, but, you know, the chances of me, Milk and Rosemary, ever being a, <laughs> a, a movie singer or TV or any of that, it just was impossible. So when I fell in love with this woman, Shirley Boone, yeah. in high school, and we married at 19, we had to make some serious decisions about what I was going to be and do. I sang all yeah. over Nashville for free just because people learned I could sing and I would sing the latest pop tunes. Uh, you can't, I couldn't count on that as a career. So I was going to be a school teacher preacher. Oh, wow. School teacher. Yeah, I've heard that before actually that yeah. you were going to do that. Do you, I think it's funny because when you're talking about the, the cow, yeah. I'm thinking how God must've just been hovering over that dream. And many people have just an idealistic dream, yeah. but he knew he could use you. I wouldn't even call it a prayer. It was, yeah. a, it was a dream, was, but yeah. Well, and we talk to a lot of people, um, like I'll do events in the entertainment industry. And one of the things I always say is, if you'll fall in love with who God's in love with, he'll give you an audience. Mm -hmm. Like he'll give you a platform, but you have to you have to be in it for his love for the world. Not like God so loved the world that he sent his son. So he's yeah. not going to send you unless you're in love with who he's sending you to. And you've had this amazing career of just doing so much behind the scenes and not just as a conservative in politics or as a author to family issues and these kinds of things, but mm -hmm. you've done so much, you've lent your fame and you've lent your, your platform to so many different types of causes that I don't know that I've ever met anyone who's done that before, but let's get back to the story though. Well, that's what you just said is, is a continuation of it because I think the reason that he listening to my daydreams <laughs> yeah. and, and somewhat of a prayer uh, and my expressed motive to be a singer so that I could do some good things yeah. from the platform. If he gave it to me, I had married Shirley. We'd moved to Denton, Texas. I was on my way to being a teacher, school wow. teacher. And I was preaching in a little country church, Slidell, a little one room. Uh, there's a picture of it. In one of these books here <laughs> out in a wheat field. And I was preaching on Sundays, surely pregnant now, and we were expecting our first child. And she was so happy that she, she was the daughter of Red Foley, the great country singer. The last thing she wanted was to be involved in the entertainment business. <laughs> sure. So now she's Because she's sang all growing up, too. Yeah. So she was like a good singer. Done with that, excited. She's marrying a but preacher she'd have teacher. enough of that. And she knew I loved <laughs> to sing, but I was going to be a teacher. We were going to have a quiet life, picket yeah. fence, three or four kids, summers off. And that's what she was looking forward to. He just kept giving me bigger and bigger opportunities. I really, he knows my heart. He knows I've wanted him to use me as a pop, even rock and roll. Yeah. People say, you think he gave you Tootie Fruity, Wop Bop, a Loom Up, a Lop Bop Bop, or Long Tall Sally, or uh, 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 Ain't That a Shame, You Made Bop Bop Me Cry, and you know, Ain't That a Shame. You think God gave you those? Yeah. Yeah. Because he 
he uses, the Bible says, the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Yeah. Those who think that they've got it all figured out don't. You were at the table with God. To, mm -hmm. You know, God does this too. And yeah. most people thought of music or entertainment as the Antichrist or the wrong yeah. thing, yet they were participating with it. The average household and Christian, mm -hmm. or, you know, Christian household still watched hours a day or listened yeah. to hours a day of radio. And especially when you were the doing kids. It. Yeah. And, and here you came to the table and said, well, what about the second commandment? Like love each other. Like we have to teach that too. And that entertainment does that the best. And you're getting songs like Tutti Frutti. You're getting these amazing mm -hmm. songs. And, and I'm loving the original artists. You've made a lot of choices like that over the years. Yeah, we I were. Mean, it's kind of you've been navigating with God and your conscience this whole time. Yeah, it was. That was, you know, the things that have happened, the the opportunities that God continued to give me as an entertainer, and yeah. you know, when I could take positions on controversial issues, what I said didn't come from a quote preacher; it came from a singer. Yeah. And it came with, I, I think what I, one of the things I've respected is that it came with a sincere love. Yeah. And I remember Shirley and you, one time I was over at your house and we were talking about some of the stories. I was like, tell me stories about things that God gave you opportunity for because you were the only one present that I know of Yeah. with certain people. Because uh, there's at that time, the A-list level was very, they had small worlds. They were very narrow worlds. They had a lot of people mm -hmm. work for them. But, and so with your peers, I remember Shirley talked about how you guys were called over to Rock Hudson's house to pray for him before yes. he passed. And yeah. he and you'd known he lived a same-sex kind yeah. of lifestyle. Yeah. And he knew we loved and, him. I loved yeah. him. Yeah, and you guys went over and were able to pray with him right before he passed away and just pray the salvation prayer. Can I prayer. tell you a little bit about Tell that. me. It was revealed that he had AIDS and actually was terminally ill. Everybody, because at that point, you know, nobody knew how it was communicated. Touch, uh, if you drank after somebody, yeah. might you, you know... No, there was one main way it was it was communicated, and that was physically. But surely my wife and a, a fr friend learned that two nurses were Christians, and they were taking care of, of Rock in his house up above us in Beverly Hills. And he his uh, longtime friend Tom was with him, and the nurses came to a Bible study in our home, and they said, you know, we, we've prayed with, with Mr. Hudson and and. We shared the Lord with him, and he's even uh, received Jesus. Wow. And he was in his last stages. I mean, he was emaciated. So Shirley asked the nurses, can we come up and pray for him? Wow. And and they asked Tom, his friend, and said, of course, come up. And we went up one night, and we, we prayed with this skeleton of a man. He mm. didn't look anything like Rock Hudson in the movies, his hollow eyes and ribs showing through and he couldn't speak anymore his throat was so ravaged he couldn't wow all the, but he his eyes hollow black shaded but but bright eyed and he let us know with his countenance i'm glad to see you thank you for coming and we talked to him a little bit and i said told him what the scripture said do you mind if i pray for you can i anoint you with oil wow and pray for you and he was nodding his head and he pulled his shirt open and ribs showing through his skin. And, you know, you don't know how it's contaminated, but I'm anointing him with oil. Yeah. So I made the sign of the cross on his chest, and we prayed, and that God would raise him up and heal him. His, and, and he looked at us with tears in his eyes, and Tom came in. He said, Roy, he called him Roy. He said, you look better. Something's happening to you, Roy. Tomorrow's going to be a good day. Wow. Tomorrow's going to be a great, I'm going to put on your happy clothes tomorrow. 
and he's nodding. So we come home thinking, you know, we're expecting to get the word. Yeah. It's been a miraculous recovery. Instead, we get a call the next morning. He's passed. Wow. And so Shirley and the woman that she'd gone up with, and I couldn't go right then, but they went right up to Rock's house, and, and the ambulance was there, and they were still making arrangements, and Tom was there crying, and we expected to see him raised. But then Tom came in, and he said, I put his happy clothes on him, these colorful clothes, and I opened the shutter early this morning to let the sunlight in. And this is a good day. Wow. He is healed. Physically, Jesus. I mean, yeah. spiritually, he's gone. He's left this body. It's too ravaged. But we believe he's yeah. waiting for us in heaven. Now, we never talked about it. In fact, I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly yeah. just with you, but I, I'm not bashful of talking about the ways that God will use any of us yeah. in whatever ways we're willing to be used and he wants to use us. And so whenever the opportunities have happened, we just try to, to do it. One of the reasons I'm excited you shared that is because I'm thinking of the young man who was milk of the cow, you know, mm. and how God knew you with Shirley and your family, what you would represent as a root that goes in, a righteous root that goes into a system that hadn't seen many Christians who love people like you're yeah. going to a, a household when AIDS, like you said, they didn't know it was sexually yeah. transmitted. You're, you're going in into a danger zone, so to speak. Yeah. He may not have had any visitors, even family yeah. for a long time. Other right. than Tom. Yeah. Before I met you, I remember just thinking, I want to see Lord, a generation of Pep and Shirley Boone's rise up. And then we met, I think that same year, like you guys mm. came up to me in a prayer meeting. And it was like, Oh my gosh, that's you. Guys. <laughs> Hi. And Shirley's like, I've been wanting to meet you. I'm like, why? <laughs> or maybe you thought well, it was a clone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That was from our new Exploring the Industry show, Isn't Pat Boone Everyone's Grandpa? Isn't he the person that we all love? I just love that man so much with all of my heart. I'm so glad that he did our show and shared that never-before-heard story publicly with us and with you. I love his story, and I loved all of our guests so far that we've had on Exploring the Industry, our new show on CBN. Thank you so much, our Exploring the Prophetic family. We love you so much, and we wanted to introduce this show to you, hoping that you also migrate over to our TV show. We aren't stopping Exploring the Prophetic at all. We're going to continue it. We have a whole season lined up for you, even for season four. Don't worry. But we also wanted to add in a supplement, a video TV show. I say that because there's not many video podcasts, and we're doing it as a full podcast. It's actually going to be the secret is it's going to be over an hour long every week, but it'll be a TV episode of only 30 minutes on CBN, and I hope you can join us there and watch it. Thank you so much for listening today. I so enjoyed being able to present these stories to you. Come on the journey with us. Did you know we have a YouTube channel called Bulls Ministries? And on that YouTube channel, we have new content. It's a video show that comes out episodically every Monday called Your Prophetic Journey. And it's a lighthearted take on some really tough subjects like night terrors, interpreting dreams, signs and symbols, what to do when your kids are having nightmares, these kinds of things. We're going to tackle huge subjects and we're going to do it with you. And it's already available. There's already a lot of episodes on there. You can watch it. You can subscribe to it. You can share it with your friends. But come under our YouTube channel and join the conversation now about how you're growing in your prophetic journey. Share your stories and also hear ours. 
Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles. I want to encourage you to stay involved with us. Continue the conversation online by going to our Facebook page. Sean Bowles is our Facebook public address. Also, you can visit us at www.bowlesministries.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe to it. It's Exploring the Prophetic with Sean Bowles. 